and then sit in that seat. Hey, it's good to see everybody. A little bit of a change of a flow to the service. Um, it's just a little bit more uh, helpful for how things run and for uh, break time. And, and um, yeah, what a great prayer. Anna, thank you. I think you spoke for each of our hearts. And um, that's cool stuff coming up for the kiddos. So it's like any youth versus adult things. Um, let's just be real. The adults, we just win because we're, we're better. But regardless of who uh, wins or loses the penny drive, they're raising funds. And I can't remember which group they want to bless, but they're taking all the resources, I think, to, to serve um, our community. So uh, rummage through your stuff as you're cleaning out your house and your car and all your pennies and stuff, and uh, bring them with you over the next, over the next couple weeks and drop them in the bin. Um, let me pray as we move into this next part of our morning. Father, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for, man, thank you for the fall. I'm thinking about um, all that's happening right now as our kids go back to school and the weather starts to cool down and it's just, uh, there's something beautiful about the fall in the Northwest. Lord, we come before you this morning and as we um, have been worshiping you, with song and with our gifts, it's a, it's, a, it's a giving to you. We have been um, emptying ourselves. We've been full of ourselves all week. We come to this place, we want to empty of ourselves. And then we ask, Lord, that you would fill us up. Would you fill us with truth? Would you fill us with your love and your purposes? Um, your word is truth, so would you fill us with your word? Would you tattoo it on our hearts? And um, may it change us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome back to church. For anybody who's here for the very first time, hey, good morning. I'm so stoked that you would choose to spend a Sunday morning with us at the bridge. And um, my son, Ollie, is skipping church today. You know he's a true Northwest earner. He was born here and because uh, he skipped church for the Seahawks game. Yeah, I know. You should be disappointed in him. Yeah, and you're all secretly like, oh, I'm so pumped for him. Um, anyways, uh, as fall kicks off and lots of, lots of stuff going on, uh, it's good to, good to be together this morning. Hey, before I start on our new stuff, in our Genesis series, I got to tell you guys something. There's something that's been eating at me all week. It started the moment I said it last Sunday from up here on stage. And I was kicking myself Sunday afternoon. And then I was kicking myself Monday. And by the time I got to Wednesday, I kicked myself enough. And so I felt like the Lord was like, well, just apologize and then move on. But last week, um, it was a great Sunday, I thought. And I made a comment from up here that as I said it, um, the dialogue I have was like, why did you say that? But I said something last week. I said, hey, you guys look bored. And um, that was uncool. And I'm sorry. Um, when you're teaching and communicating, there's a, while this is a monologue, I'm talking. 
um, there's a dialogue happening. There's body language I read. There's looks on faces that I read. Um, and I don't always read them right because I know that we are learning and we are growing and we're here because we're hungry for God and we want to know his word. And, we, and so I know there's a hunger and um, I just put that out. I spoke that over you and maybe some of you were bored, but maybe it's because I was boring <laughs> and maybe it was on me. Most likely it probably was. But uh, I just wanted to say, uh, I'm sorry, that was, um, that was uncool. You guys forgive me? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, I love you too. As we move into this week, I was doing uh, some tree work this week. Anna, she slays the fiddle and the chainsaw and, and the chipper. And, um, but as we were working, I was, you know, I'm always, 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 always thinking about sermons what God is saying to me, what God is saying to us, how I'm going to word something on Sunday, try to avoid putting my foot in my mouth and my feet in my mouth. Where are people at in their walk with God? How do we communicate the things of God in the proper tone that God would want us to and not say stupid stuff like, you guys look bored. Like put some, but I'm always, 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 always thinking about it. And I was out, and I was cutting this tree, and, uh, and I was thinking about creation. Thinking about this, this series in Genesis that we started last week, that we're called in, just in the beginning, and we're looking at God's original intent and design in the world. The reason being is we are here in 2023 in a broken and fallen world. Can we agree that the world is broken? Yes. Can we agree that the world is in a fallen state? I know that it's in this state because I've talked to probably eight people this week that are personally going through the, the end stages of a loved one's life. Someone is getting close to the end of their life here on earth. That's not part of God's original plan. Death. Decay. We are in a fallen state. How do we navigate this stuff? So I'm just thinking about creation and all of this, and I'm sitting here cutting this tree, knowing that I'm going to preach, talk about these verses today. And I was thinking as I was cutting, the quickest way, the way you start a cut with your chainsaw, directly affects the way you're going to end the cut. It's so profound, I know. If you start cutting straight through the saw, is going to go straight through. If you start at an angle and yet you want to cut straight, you have to try to like arc your saw, which doesn't work with the wood under tension. It's the way, there's a principle. You start the cut the way you want to finish it. We're going to look at the days of creation today. There's a lot that can be said and has been said about the days of creation. But I was, as I was cutting this wood, I was like, the way that we start this cut of the scripture will directly affect the way we go through scripture. Let me just put it like this. If you start Genesis chapter 1 with God created everything in literal six-day period, and on the seventh literal day he rested, then throughout scripture 
you are going to come back. You're, you're starting a cut this way. And so everything, and so whatever it is, you have to make sense of, well, how did this fit in God's literal six-day creation? If you come from the first, I'm just going to pass, I'm just pastoring us for a minute before we get into this, okay? If we start the beginning of scripture with God used an evolutionary process to get us where we're at, then everything we go through, we have to, we're, we've started the cut through God's used billions of years. And so everything comes through that. I want to start the cut today and not talk about how old the earth is, but what God did it for. We didn't start this cut. We don't want to start all of the scripture with how old the world is, how old the world is. We want to start, start all of scripture with what is the purpose behind God's creation? What is the purpose of his world? Several months ago, if you've been here for a while, I made this statement, and it was talking about the end of the world. We were in the book of Mark, and we were talking about Jesus' teaching on the Mount of Olives called the Olivet Discourse, where he's talking about things that are to come, which has started um, another way that you can start to cut how you interpret the end times and what people say is going to happen. We made this comment. I made this comment. We don't know exactly when the world will end, but we do know exactly how we are to live until it does. I don't know how old the earth is, but I do know who created it, and I do know what he created it for. The title of this morning's message is God's Good World. Last week, we looked at the, verse, the first two verses of the Bible, or the, excuse me, the first three verses of the Bible. And what we declared is, it's more than that God created the world. It's that God created the world with purpose. God constantly refers to himself through his creation. Constantly throughout scripture, not about his process, how he did it, but about his purpose, why he did it. Let me give you a, a for instance. They're all throughout the Bible, but I love this one because I just finished reading Isaiah and I was thinking about God's promises to these people who had turned their heart away from him and they are actually going to suffer some hard things in their life. But God says this, he says, in Isaiah 45:18, for this is what the Lord says, he who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it, and he did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. How long, didn't say anything about how long he create, it took him to create it, but that God created the world not to be empty, not to sit formless and void, but he created it that it would be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord. There is no other. God tells us that he didn't just create. He gave purpose. So what was the purpose behind the universe? Ultimately, it's to be the home for humankind. So I want to start by saying this. However, 
So however you want to conclude in your mind the process for how we got to where we're at, the main point of Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, the main point is that it is God who got us here and that he has purpose in it. The main point is not how old. The main point is who. And I think that in our world, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, actually, and um, it just talks about the process in which we gather information in our age. Did you know, this is crazy, we have the, the ability to access more information in a day than people, than the smartest people in the world 350 years ago did in their whole life. That's just crazy. You can take in so much information. But you know what people did differently back in the day that we actually have to train ourselves to do now? Ponder. Meditate. Drink deeply. Sit in something forever. You want to you look at people that were steeped into their soul about creation, read the Psalms. It says stuff like, oh God, in your young earth creation, I am so impressed. It doesn't say that. Or in your how you brought all these things, it says when I look at the world, I, David speaking all over the place, his soul is moved to the point where he's like, I will bless the Lord, I must bless the Lord. He's just overcome. When people think about what God has brought into existence, it always moves them to worship. So however you want to conclude in your mind, and I love, because wouldn't it be so much easier if just like, well, just tell me what you think, and then we can do that. I, I'm not going to, because I think there's too many people that just tell you what they think. Let me tell you something else. There are people that are a million times smarter than me when it comes to this stuff. And I think sometimes it does God's people a disservice when a pastor just stands up and be like, boom, this is what I think. This is the way it is. And we're like, okay. Except for the person who happens to be sitting there or watching online that is an expert in that field. And they're like, what? No. You guys know we have biology professors that go to our church? Did you know that we have anatomy professors? We have people who have studied this stuff in whatever if you land on a side of how old the earth is, no matter where you land, there will be questions you can't answer. And I think it's because the main point of God's creation is not how old it is, but that he did it. And he wants you to take it upon faith that he did and he holds it all together. So this is what we want to talk about, God's good world. So what is the purpose then? It's to show us that we'll see in these verses that God's world is good and that it, it, it is well-ordered. We're about to look at a pattern in these six days of creation, okay? Here's the pattern. I'll give it to you beforehand. God speaks. Things happen. God reviews it. He gives it a grade or he comments on it. And then the event or the day is concluded. So if you have your Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 
excuse me, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to go through the seven days of creation, but we're going to look at what's the purpose. And at the end of the seven days, so we're going to move quickly through the seven days, and then we're going to look at God's purpose in these things. You guys down with me? You do not look bored. Here we go. Day one, Genesis chapter one, verses one through five. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We looked at those two verses last week, and it was rad. So if you missed last week, give it a listen. You can check out the podcast or YouTube or however you want to. Um, but it's really good, and it set the stage for everything. Verse 3, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was morning, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So on the first day of creation, when, when God had, had the raw materials, and he is going to take the, he bara, he created all these things out of nothing. Now he's going to form things. He created light. I have a friend who's super, he's a doctor now. I haven't seen him in years, Alex. I remember Alex, he loved talking about this stuff, and he is wicked smart, so he's always blowing my mind with stuff that he said. But he was saying, God, when God said, let there be light, he wasn't like, okay, light. We need light. Um, okay, let me think about all the stuff that I need for light. It's this, God ex- had all of these things within himself. So in the beginning, God said, light be, and light was. Notice that there was night and day before we have sun and moon. Sun and moon come in on day four. In Revelation, at the end of the Bible, it says that there will be no sun in the eternal realm, for God himself will give light to the nations. He's going to put lights in the sky to govern, we'll see on day four, but God himself is light. So perhaps God's light shone over all of his creation before he formed it into what it would be. And another thing that I just want to put out is parents, if you have kids who are afraid of the dark, and there's a lot of the theme of darkness throughout Scripture, I just want to, I don't know why it just came to me, so I'm going to give it to you. God created the dark, and it was good. He separated, he says, now there are things people use the darkness. Darkness is like the Internet. It's not bad. It's just, that was a joke. People can do bad things with it. God created the light, separated it from the dark. So I was just thinking, man, we don't have to be afraid of the dark because God rules the dark as well. Day two, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separate, or the firmament, your Bible might say, and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the vault sky. And there were evening and there were morning the second day. 
Second day, I think it gets like a bad rap out of all the days. Because other ones get like mammals and all this stuff. And there's like day two, God separated the waters. Like, sweet. What does that even mean? There's a lot of commentaries on what that would mean. But most likely, it's what we would call all of the atmosphere. So it's actually a super gangster move on day two. Remember the purpose, we're getting there, for people to flourish with God. So God made this place. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth for us to be with him, for us. That's how much he loves people and wanted us to know his goodness. He's creating this whole space, expansive, infinite universe that we can't even find the ends of, a perfect atmosphere with the right amount of gravity and oxygen and all of these things, and he separated it. So this would be the the atmosphere. And then he actually, in some translations, it says he separated, and it says that word for sky can also be translated heaven. That's why we say, probably because where we get to this thing and we think, when we think of heaven, which way do we look? And it says from the heavens above to the earth below. It all comes back to this separation that there is um, an atmosphere. There is the sky. Pretty sweet. Day three, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place. And let the dry ground appear, and it was so. So God called the dry ground land. I was watching this YouTube person, and I'm going to get to why YouTube is bad in a minute, but YouTube is good too. And I was watching this potter, and he put his raw material on the potter's wheel. And his hands are all wet, and then it's like something out of the movie Ghost, where it's like he forms it. He was just by himself, though. And... (laughs) But he starts forming, and he makes something out of it. Isn't it crazy if you look at all of the continents? You can kind of see how you're like, yo, they could like fit together if you went like this and put it. Maybe there was a sense that God saw, and however long he decided for it to take, but there was a sense that the lands spread out, and he's like, moved them. He's like, oh, that's sweet. One day, people will surf this wave right here. It's going to be a perfect left. This is a perfect slope south-facing that some kid in Bellingham is going to build a trail on one day. You know, in God's sovereignty, he sees the end from the beginning because he is outside of time, and nation will live here, and these things will happen here. Um, It's pretty impressive. And And so God called the dry ground land. And he gathered, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. Anybody seen Kung Fu Panda? Yeah. That's an awesome movie. And the part where... Master Shifu and what's the turtle's name? Uguay. Uguay. God bless whoever said that. <laughs> but Shifu's all frustrated and he goes and Uguay is under the sacred peach tree. And he's eating or something's happening, there are peaches involved, and then Master Shifu gets all mad because he's trying to make something happen. And 
Master Shifu and, or uh, Ugwe and his, his, his wisdom, he's like, you worry too much. Do you see this tree? It's a peach tree. It will always be. You can't change what it is. And the guy's like, yes, I can. I can tell when I'm going to plant it or where I'm going to plant it. But in his wisdom, he's like, yeah, but it's always just going to be peach tree. You may want it to produce apples. You may want it to produce this, but it's always going to produce peaches. Isn't it crazy how things reproduce and have been for so long time? Peach trees have been peach trees since they were invented. <laughs> what do apple trees grow? Apple. It's pretty amazing that we have learned the rhythms that God has put in the earth. I think about farmers. You want to talk to people who are in touch with what God is doing? Talk to a farmer. It's amazing. They know how to listen to the land. Watch it. It's fall time. Around here, this is the raddest time of year, in my opinion, for what farming does. Because... Did you guys notice how much it rained yesterday? That's the other thing that's going to... Where did God create rain and said it was good? (laughs) Oh, it's it's a product of the fall. That makes sense. But these farmers around here, they're getting ready to harvest. And every year, I swear, they wait too long to harvest... In Skagit, they wait too long to harvest the potatoes because the fields are super muddy and you're like, oh, they blew it. Sure enough, when the time is right, they'll be out there picking spuds out of the field. They just know how to live with the land and plant and harvest. It's really cool. God said that it was good. Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with the seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. So the third day we have oceans and seas, continents, land masses, and vegetation. Nothing to eat the vegetation, but it says vegetation. Day four, verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. That is crazy. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and night and separate light from darkness and God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day God made the sun and the moon and the stars whatever process he used to make it when God said let there be light and light was if there was an explosion involved then that's cool But I think the point is here, remember, Genesis wasn't given to us first in the English Bible that we argue over about which translation is the best because we just want to argue about stuff all the time. But it was given in a different language to a different people, but the purpose was the same, not to tell them how he did it, but that he did it. 
when the Israelites were taken out of Egypt and Moses came and God sent Moses and they were in the desert and they were this people group but they were without form and void and there was, had taken no shape to who they were and God said, I am that I am. This is who I am. And he explains, I'm the one who formed things. I created us when Genesis was given to them first. They had come out of a place where Ra was the sun god. Ever, there was a, and the plagues were a direct assault. Not assault, but God was coming against the different pagan gods of the day. So as God creates the sun, he's like, I created the sun. You're not to be worshipped. I created the moon. I created the stars. Not to be worshipped, but to be utilized. You know what's cool is in this day, on day four, God actually set up the first scientific measuring systems that we still use today. Ready? He created time. Days. Weeks. Did you see that? Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. God set up time. God set up days, weeks, seasons, years, and we can keep track. We can measure. This is what thing we can do. We're moving into fall. Fall started early this year. And it's going, and the next season is winter, or what in our household we call shred season. It's coming. You can't stop it. Seasons are changing, and there are different things, but God created this, and he will hold seasons. He says, there will always be seasons. So it may be a dry winter, but the farmer's almanac says it's going to be an El Nino winter. So you know what that means. It's going to be wet and cold in Bellingham. Sorry. But it's going to be cold and snowy at the hill. God bless El Nino winners. Because we can measure the seasons. Why? Because God made them that way. This sets up a principle. Starts back before the fall, continues all throughout history. Here's a principle. God writes things in his creation, and we can take and learn things from it. So then later on in scripture, we see this. Do not despise the days of the seed, God tells Zerubbabel, when they're going back after they, the Babylonian conqueror. Remember the remnant returns, and they build the temple? We talked about that last year in our remnant series, or... Time goes so fast. So I don't even remember when we did it, but it was awesome. That's what God tells Zerubbabel. Do not despise the day of the seed, for you began this good work and you will see it to completion. So we look and we say things like, I'm going through a tough season in life. But we can also say, but God who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. So this season does not write my whole story. It's a season. A good one, a bad one. Uh, Paul said, I have learned to be content in all seasons, whether I have a lot, whether I have a little, whatever I'm going through, because it's God who created them and is working through them to fulfill his good pleasure. Amen. That's so rad. He put that in creation, and we can look at it, and we can measure it. 
We've made calendars. We've done different things because God put measuring systems in his creation. The other one he created was the first map. Day three, the first map. Stars. I look at the, when, the, when it's not cloudy. I look at the North Star every night. Because a couple of years ago, we went through the book of Colossians, and we called it Compass Rose. Does anybody remember that series? The North Star in the Northern Hemisphere is the only star that doesn't move at night. So when you see those super hipster photos of the night sky and the stars are all swirly, the North Star is the one in the middle because it has a fixed position, and it doesn't move, and everything rotates around it. So for a long time, that's how people traveled. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, there was the Polaris or the North Star you look to and you get your bearings that way. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, it's called the Southern Cross, which is super cool. And you look up and there's a way to find it. I don't know. I haven't spent much time in the Southern Hemisphere, but um, I've seen it on the Internet. And if I go down there one day and I spend some time, I'm going to find it because that was the map that God put in the sky. Do you know that he named the constellations? Read the book of Job, and God talks about the Pleiades and Orion. Like, he talks to him, and, and he talks about when he put them in the sky. God created the first map for us to utilize. Day five, God said, let the water team with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teams that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kinds. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds increase on all the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. Now here we have God's first blessing. Did you catch that? And he blessed them and he said, you know what we can measure? You know what's happening this time of year? The salmon are running. Has anybody gone and seen them in the rivers? My brother-in-law has been all about it. Actually, Steph has been going down. If you go to Whatcom Creek, there's thousands right now, right down here like sending it up, trying to get up the waterfall. It's really cool. <laughs> sending it. I was just like, they're like, and they jump. I'm like, go, buddy. And they get to this one pool. I'm like, oh, you're never going to get past there. <laughs> um, but we can measure the salmon runs. But when God spoke a blessing into them, he put it into their, who they are as a species to run up the river. God put it in them to do so, to spawn one fish, thousands of eggs. There was this blessing, this multiplication. Be fruitful, he said. Fill the water and the seas. Let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. All right, day six. God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. Some would say that kind means species. 
And that when Noah put all the animals in the ark, it wasn't like, how did he fit a bazillion animals on the ark? But that there were representatives from the species. So maybe out of dog and wolf and hyena and all the different stuff, there was a centralized, you know, species that looked, well, we want them to look like a beagle, if we're honest. <laughs> Here I am, Noah. Each according to its kind. Let all the creatures that move along the ground according to this kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, verse 26, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Why? So that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it that will be yours for food. And do all of the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Then God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Anytime in the Hebrew there is like a double imperative on a word. You know when Jesus says stuff like, truly, truly, I say to you? You're like, we get it. Why is he rapping? No, there's like a point every time and there's a double. So when God said, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Some people who would have a problem with young earth creation, they would be like, would, they would use the sixth day as a, an example. How could you do all of that in 24 hours? Like I said, if you believe verse 1 of the Bible, you can make sense of all the verses. But they were like, okay, God made all the animals, and then he blessed them, and then God created Adam, then he created Eve, and he spoke to them, and he gave them all of this. But before Adam, before God created Eve, Adam named all the animals. So all the, we'll get there next, next week because we're going to spend time just looking at Adam and Eve, this first couple. So we, before we look at our broken relationships, let's look at God's original purpose in relationships. But it was just like, how could he have done so much on this day? Because he's God. If that's how he wanted to do it. I have no problem with it. But at the same time, it seems like a lot to do in a 24-hour period. So we have the creation of land animals, specifically mammals and human beings on the same day. So will there be similarities in our makeup and how we are made? Yeah. I, how long did it God take? I don't know. But I do know this. He created us special. There may be crossover. There may be similarities. But there is no 
creature that is like a human being, both in form and function. Because here's what we see. It says, let us make man in our image. Adam and Eve, I want to say two things about mankind that's different. It says, let us make man. Did you know Adam's, the word Adam means man? The word Eve means mother of all living things. So uh, it's not Mother Earth, but Mother Eve. Let us make man in our image, the image of God. In the uh, Latin version of the Bible, it's called the Imago Dei. See, they were different. They were similar, but different than the animals. The image of God. There was an authority given to them. There was a responsibility given to them to rule. That's authority. To take care of. That's responsibility. To build. To dream. I had a bad dream last night. Like vivid. I was mean in my dream. I was saying, I was like, I woke up and I'm like, oh God, thank you, Lord, that that's not true. Because I'm a nice person. Why was I being so mean to those people? But God has made us to create. We serve a creative God. I've met some people that are like ripping artists, whether it's musically or can draw. Or like we see a YouTube video, there's like a squirrel on water skis. And we're like, wow, look how awesome that squirrel is. And then you see the person that engineered the vessel pulling the little squirrel on the water. Like God gave us creative abilities. We dream, we create. We create thoughts and songs and poems. And we, we create with our heart and trails down the side of the mountain. We give ourselves to other people. We take care of other human beings. He gave us the ability to prosper. And we're going to see next week, he gave us this radical ability to choose. We'll see how that turns out. To choose whether or not person, a person will follow God or not. That is an amazing responsibility. But I want to say this before we move to the seventh day, and I tied up with our couple of application things. Let me say this first to the Christians in the room. You've been walking with God for a long time. You recognize that there's brokenness in the world. You see evil. Let us be reminded of this first. Whether or not a person decides that they want to follow God with their life, they are still an image bearer of God. They bear God's image because he created them in his likeness. So whether or not they're using that for good or for evil, there is value, there is honor to be given, to another human being because they are image bearers of God. Now, to those of you maybe in this room that do not, God has an original idea and plan and design in Scripture. We're going through it. And as you follow all of this through, you're going to see that we are broken. 
we do live in a place where we have decided to go our own way. And God is saying, I made you for a reason. And he, this is what he's saying. You know what faith is? It's trusting that God's original good purposes are worth following and not our own. Don't let me get ahead of myself. I want you to believe that. I want you to believe God enough that you would trust his way over yours. That he would be like, man, there was a time when it was just good. When it was just very good. And that it can be that way again. Okay, so this is God's well-ordered world. On day seven, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. God had finished the work he had been doing. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now there was a blessing just on a day. Now remember, God wasn't tired. He wasn't like, oh, that was like 40 hours this week. I need it. It's Miller time. You know what I mean? There was a purpose in this day. There was a special blessing on this day because things were completed. And why was there a blessing? Because God wanted to spend time interacting and enjoying with all that he has made. What do you think about Sundays? It's, it, I'll be honest, as a pastor, it's a little bit weird because it's a work day. But after this part, is, you know, everything I've been doing all week is just preparing for this time that we could gather, that God would just like ivy drip his goodness into our lives and his word into our hearts and into our city. And that's, a, you know, it's what churches do. But that, is there a sense of, do you, enjoy, do you enjoy and interact with, God's, with God through his creation and with other image bearers? It's a good way to look at the Sabbath. Enjoy and interact. Then say anything about. I want to make a comment about being lazy. You know, you can do nothing and get nothing out of it, but there's something about doing something that where you get stuff out of it and you're actually charged. There is a rest. When you're, doing, when you're doing things that you love and you're interacting with people. God wasn't tired or worn out. He spent intentional time. He looked and he was like, this world it has everything it needs to flourish. This self-sustaining system. We're trying to learn how to be self-sustaining. We live in this self-sustaining system that has purpose in it, purpose behind it. And God was like, boom, that's what I'm talking about. So in closing for today, I just want to hit a couple of things that jump off the page behind God's purpose. God's purpose in his well-ordered world is first that we would know him. Yeah. Romans chapter 1 says that God's creation not only speaks that we should know him, but it actually kind of leaves us within, without excuse. Like we look around. If you really spend time looking at nerding out, in nature or like watching how you're like, dude, this is crazy. How, how does, could that just happen? How is that out of nothing? But it's just that, no, that God could be known 
it says that creation speaks of a creator, that there is someone behind it with purpose in it. Contrary to popular belief, God doesn't live in our world. We live in his. Purpose two is that he is intimately involved with us in his creation. Jot these down and go look at them this week. Psalm 104. It's 40 verses. I want to read it super bad, but it'll take too long. Psalm 104. Job chapter 38. God, why is all this stuff happening to me in my life? Why is this so hard? I don't understand. And God says, Job, I need to ask you something. My turn. I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to answer me. And then he spends two chapters talking about the intricacies of him and his creation. Doesn't tell Job why he's going through the hard stuff. Instead, he shows Job who he is and that he is involved in his everyday world. Psalm 19. The heavens declare your handiwork. I am fearfully, wonderfully made. And then when, when David sees all this, he goes, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Like when he takes it all in, he's like, oh God, let me just, let me know you for who you are. He is intimately involved with us. Purpose three, we are his representatives. There's a special relationship between God and human beings, a special standing relationship between God, all of his creation, and Adam and Eve. They were placed with a special purpose. God created this earth because he wanted to put his representatives in it, people who it showed what it looks like to rule. How does God rule? He's like, I'll show you how I rule by these people. So when we are like, you are salt and light, when Jesus says that later on, he's saying, you are his representatives. Not to be pious and cooler than the person next to you, but to be a person who's filled with God's spirit that knows how to treat another image bearer, who knows how to see something that's wrong and not partake in it, but to, to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. You set the tone in your workplace and in your home. You represent God. That is radical. See, I think we've sold sold people short when we simply tell them to love the earth. And we sell God short when we worship his creation and not him. See, his creation points us to him. And we are to steward this world. We should be the best stewards. Because we were given responsibility over it. So whether people agree or disagree with you about how it all came to be, let us listen to one another on how we should steward this thing. And the last one is this, to enjoy fellowship with him. Why did God create the world? To show us who he is, that we would know him, so that we could see that he is intimately involved. Like when Jesus says, look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. They're gonna, they'll be gone. How much more am I involved in your life? That know that we are his representatives. And the last one, to enjoy fellowship with him. The earth was created to be a beautiful partnership between God and mankind. It was full. It was blessed. It was complete. 
It was a place to be enjoyed, to work together with God, and to enjoy fellowship with him and each other. So, creation. Everything was where it needed to be. Genesis was written not to tell us how God created everything, but that God created everything. I was talking to my friend Riley this week. And I was talking about creation. I'm like, man, I just want to like, I don't know how far to go into age of the earth stuff. And I, I know that no matter what I do, there could be someone out there that it's not good enough. Welcome to my life. And you know what? Welcome to your life. No matter what you do, someone's going to be like, oh, it wasn't good enough this way. Or it wasn't good enough that way. And I was like, you know, but, and we're just talking about it. And he's like, bro, people need to know how Genesis relates to Exodus more than they do the fossil record. And I'm like, ooh. (laughs) Say that again? (laughs) Let me write that down. We need to know how Genesis relates to Exodus more than we need to know how Genesis relates to the fossil record. Because there is a theme in the Bible that is going to come up over and over and over. It's going to start in chapter 3, and it's not the fossil record. It's the seed of a woman. If you want to know, if you're here this morning and you don't know about God, but you're a skeptic, I am so stoked you're here. Or you're in here and you've been following God, but you're having questions about your faith because of some stuff that's come out about how the earth came to be. I'm so glad you're here. But I, want to, I just want to end our morning with saying this. If you're in that place and you're wondering about the reality of God's creation and about the reality of who he is, I would ask you to drink deeply from the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. Because he is the one, John 1.1 tells us, that was there in the beginning with God who spoke all things into motion. And when we get to the fall and the breaking of this perfect fellowship and the seed is promised who would come and make all things right, that's the person of Jesus. The things of how creation came to be don't dictate if they came to be. Believing the right, believing the right age of the earth doesn't bring salvation. Recognizing God for who he is does. So let's pray. Let's finish up this song. We're going to sing a song today. I hit these guys up this week and said, hey, could we sing this? People have been singing it forever. And we're just going to join in this morning and finish our time with singing these truths to ourselves and to the Lord. So, Father, thank you for this morning.